sing as one for this country we're walking on we stand together to protect this land for the future we're hand in hand welcome to another episode of the environmental as anything podcast for the future hand in hand welcome back to environmental as anything I'm Sean O'Shaughnessy. I personally am very proud uh, and uh, and humbled to have been uh, to been welcomed into this land uh, by the current uh, owners, the Bunjalung Nation, and uh, I feel uh, great respect for elders, past, present, and emerging, and recognise that this is uh, uh, Aboriginal land. This is uh, Bunjalung territory, and uh, has never been ceded. Always was, always will be. Here I am. Wow. Don't you love your car? I think we will love our car a bit, you know, big shiny extensions of our egos and bodies, you know, the big steel powerhouse, brum, brum, yum, yum. Hey, get you from where you are to where you'd rather be. Whew. But, uh, you know, radiator hoses. Does anybody ever celebrate radiator hoses, though? I mean, how exciting are they? In fact, when I think about it, I never asked for a radiator hose or a distributor or injectors or any of that stuff. None of that stuff really means anything much to me. I mean, I know, you know, basically what it is. I think we all, you know, we love what the car can do for us, but do we love what the car does to us? Uh, well, I was on my way over to Mwilumba this morning with uh with uh, my friend Naomi and uh, our other friend Maya having a, a great uh, little sort of family journey to go and help try and save the koalas at the Mwilumba rally that just happened and uh, we got within phew, frustratingly short distance of Mwilumba we were there on Tweed Valley Way and suddenly a bam a big plume of spe- steam bursts out from under the bonnet this is all particularly ironic since just before we left, I made sure that there was plenty of fluid in the radiator and uh, I was being careful, you know, how you are and you get a little bit older and you sit a little bit more responsible and a little bit more caring for your machinery. You can't really afford for it to go bam on the side of the road. So anyway, long story short, I'm a bit late. You caught the, uh, the opening of the pre-recorded show that goes, fortunately, we've set up to go to air. But uh, the rest of it, it's going to be me here in the studio, sliding the sliders, twiddling the knobs. But the car, don't we all love the car? I was uh, with my daughter helping her, teaching her to drive yesterday and uh, went in, pulled into the fuel station and she said, oh, I've never done this before. So we go, okay, yes. She said, let me, let me, let me. So, okay, we get out of the car and she gets in and starts pumping diesel into my, you know, nasty diesel. And uh, it just fumes and farting noises coming out of the Bowser. I mean, really, I'm not kidding. She's looking at it going, is this what it's supposed to do? I'm looking at it thinking, saying, no, no, that's not what it's supposed to do. And the bloke uh, across the bowser from us also pumping diesel says, are you just getting uh, fumes and uh, and uh, and gurgling noises? And yes, that's right. 
So that was a bit of uh, confusion. And then we went on to the other service station where their bowsers actually were working and then they weren't working. But as we were sitting there, before I collected uh, my – I went in and actually paid the $90 that it cost me after the huge amount of effort that it, I went to, to 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 pump fuel into it, I was thinking, why do people think that having an electric car – would somehow be – you'd be missing out on this, wouldn't you, if you had an electric car? You'd miss out on all of this great, thrilling, life-affirming, toxic, carcinogenic, money-grubbing nightmare of filling up your car. Why do people think that if they park their car in their garage and plug it into the electricity that that's somehow worse than having to find a fuel station – to go to and then pay. Like I reckon if I was going to get the same amount of energy in an electric car from uh, from, from my power grid, from our power grid, I would probably have paid $9, not 90 I, I actually think that's probably a pretty reasonable guesstimate. But uh, anyway, cars, <laughs> hey, woohoo. When they get you where they want, where you want to go, they're great. You don't have to think about them too much. They're great. But uh, I want one that's got 40 moving parts rather than 400 moving parts, one that just does the job and that I'd never have to think about pouring toxic fossil fuels and all the other toxic chemicals, the, the water that I poured into. It used to be you could just pour water into your radiator. Not anymore, no. It has to have some sort of green sludge in it, special fluorescent green sludge. Who knows what that is? And, uh, and the power steering fluid. Gosh, uh, the gods only know what that is made of. And, uh, yes, possibly, you know, I think they make uh, the... the uh, Power steering fluid and uh, clutch fluid and that sort of thing. I think that they, they scrape that off the armpits of Barnaby Joyce, don't they? It's pretty toxic anyway, whatever it is. All right. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, 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 the days when I don't have to have an infernal combustion motor in my life. Infernal combustion motors. They can all go back to the devil that they came from as far as I'm concerned. Just, you know. Right now, I mean, it's all very well and good when they work, though, aren't they? What are you going to say? Anyway, here we are. This is Environmental as Anything. I know that my disembodied voice already told you that, but I feel like I have to say it. I'm Sean O'Shaughnessy, and, uh, you know, welcome back to another Saturday filled with news interviews and uh, the uh, analysis of the uh, problems, solutions, and actions that we can take for our fragile blue planet, our beautiful and precious world, the planet Earth, one and only. We have a jam-packed show ahead of us today. I should say uh, the we've, we'll be bypassing everything that uh, the pre-record told you. We're not doing that. Forget it. It's off. What's on instead is um, I have a an interview that I conducted with... Um, with Jeff Johnson, who is a, uh, both uh, the, the principal of uh, uh, one of our Northern Rivers uh, renewable energy companies and uh, the, uh, uh, pre- that's Premium Solar Solutions, and also a, uh, an independent councillor on the Ballina Shire Council. He's a long-standing activist uh, for uh, protecting the planet Earth and uh, building more just and peaceful world 
and he has much to say in uh, in the regard to uh, the the divestment. He's been pushing hard for Ballinashire Council to get active and actually follow through with its own uh, plans for divestment, and he's got a lot to tell us about that uh, coming up soon, uh, just as soon as the, we got to, to the half hour. And then uh, in the next half hour after that, we'll be uh, going to follow, uh, we'll be talking to Joe Evans, from the, the, who's been out campaigning hard for the Pilliga to protect it from the gas field invasion out there, and she's got a report to bring in. I'm very hopeful that Joe will be, will be able to speak to her live on the phone line, all technology and, uh, you know, infernal combustion engines uh, permitting. And then uh, later on after that, we'll be able to hear from, we'll be looking forward to uh, welcoming back Naomi from the Lismore Environment Centre to shine some light on the uh, events and actions that you can take for this week if you're interested in doing something about the problems of the world. And who isn't? Let's face it. We all want to find out what we can do. That's the biggest obstacle to change is knowing what we can do next. And uh, and the Shine Report shines a little light on that. So, big show. Lots to look forward to. Around the world, the divestment movement has ceased to be a fringe activist activity and has become the core of the financial sector. All the smart money is leaving fossils as fast as possible. Many local governments have seen the writing on the wall and have made undertakings to get their ratepayers' money out of these stranded assets. But for a complex of reasons, it seems that, well, words are cheap and actions speak loud. Jeff Johnson has been a councillor on the Ballina Shire Council since 2008. He's a businessman in the renewable energy industry and a graduate from Southern Cross University with a business degree, has worked in management and small business for a number of years and is deeply concerned about the effects that climate change will have on his young family and the community that he loves. You just had a motion passed through the Ballina Shire Council to uh, take the issue of divestment from fossil fuels to the National Local Government Conference. How did that come about? Climate change and, and the expansion of the fossil fuel industry in Australia is a, is a core issue for me and, you know, I think the wider population and, and the earth. And... We've, we've had this divestment um, initiative for a number of years driven by market forces, encouraging, among others, the local government sector to take their term deposits, which collectively add up to over $13 billion, out of fossil fuel-aligned financial institutions, which on the whole is uh, mainly the big banks. And the aim of that is to encourage... Um, the major banks and institutions to stop supporting um, the refinancing and expansion of the fossil fuel industry. So my motion, which was unanimously supported, is to um, take this initiative a step further and to take it to the Australian Local Government Conference in Canberra in June this year to, to look to see if we can use our combined sort of weight as a local government um, sector 
to help encourage um, at least one of the major banks, which we want all of the major banks, to stop supporting um, additional fossil fuel investments in Australia. Yes. Well, it seems that if, uh, if, if one of them does, then all might follow suit. Well, that's the plan. Is, um, I think there's a lot of potential for funding to flood into the first bank that, that takes, this, this, takes this step um, because, you know, the local government industry alone, there's $13 billion. I'm sure there's a lot of um, um, superannuation funds and private investors who, who would look to move their funding from uh, fossil fuel promoters, basically, the banks that are still supporting new investments in this area, out of those institutions and into the, the first one that does it. So I, I think that would generate a lot of momentum in the boardrooms of our major banks to look, to say, look, we've got to, we got to get out of this. You know, we've got our values, we've got our feel-good statements and we need to make good on it. And I think this should also be going to the, the shareholder groups and, and, you know, AGMs of these major banks to actually get directors that, are getting on board with this climate emergency that we've all got to face. Because, mm. mm. um, you know, it, that's a great success to get them to, to the Ballina Council to uh, take this motion to New South Wales and National Local Government Conference. But uh, then you had an, an, another motion which they refused to uh, pass, which was calling on them to actually commit to the aim of having no investments in fossil fuel aligned banks. And that was, uh, that was refused. <laughs> What was going on in Ballina Council that they could pass one and refuse the other? Yeah, I was a bit, bit surprised by, by that. Um, maybe there's some politics in there. Um, but there is also a bit of a constraint on where local governments invest their um, the ratepayers' money, their term deposits, by the state government um, investment policy. So this is also another area that needs to be changed um although getting the major banks to stop funding new fossil fuels is is where it's really at for me so there was some concern that um by putting all our money in non-fossil fuel aligned um institutions uh, which there are many like suncorp and all the credit unions and smaller banks that um they felt that that was adding a higher risk um, to the portfolio rather than keeping the majority in the major banks. And the trouble is the major banks have significant um, investments in the fossil fuel industry, but if they're legacy sort of loans and they've been going around for a while, well, then there's not much we can do about those. But the key is to not refinance any of this fossil fuel debt or to provide finance to all the new coal mines and coal seam gas projects that um, seems like the industry is racing to roll out, knowing mm. that the, the time is, is running out. So we need to have draw a line in the sand and, and stop those investments. So back to the question, I was very surprised that the, the council having supported my motion to get on board the fossil fuel divestment initiative back in 2015 and the fact that in that time councils the ratios of our investment funds in those banks hasn't really changed which I'm appalled at 
mm. that they weren't prepared to um, dig in and actually commit to this and take it one step further. Yeah, so the, the council in that time since 2015, and you had that success back then and put getting the motion up to for them to to the, to divest there and uh, from fossils. Uh, they uh, they've had 57 percent of its cash investments in at that time, uh, but as of December 2020, that figure had grown to 64 percent. So they've actually gone backwards. Yeah, it's a, it's a disgrace. And in that time, councils um, term deposit. Um, total has gone from 60 million to 90 million. So we've effectively invested, you know, another 20 plus million dollars with aligned organizations or banks, um, despite um, council policy, which from the, the motion back in 2050 was directing them to, to move away from that. Mm. So it, it highlights that there needs to be a change of state government policy in terms of um, maybe the credit rating or the ability for councils to diversify their term deposits away from the big banks, or we, we need it, we desperately need a, at least one of the major banks to, to come, come on board this program and stop supporting fossil fuel aligned um, investments. A couple <laughs> of the big banks. Sorry. So a couple of the big banks have made a few grumblings towards this um, proposal, like the, the ANZ Bank um, are no longer supporting the New South Wales coal export terminal when they, in the last couple of years, sought further finance. But um, we had NAB um, jump on board and provide that finance. Hmm. Um, Westpac have been making a few encouraging signals um, about this, but in 2018-19, they they loaned about eight to $9 billion for, for new fossil fuel loans and initiatives. So they are starting to make some sort of feel good statements, but the, the bottom line is new fossil fuel initiatives in our country, which is a major exporter of fossil fuels to the world um, is continuing to be financed through the major banks in Australia. Mm, mm. Well, that's, uh, that's a shame, isn't it? Because the greenwashing isn't going to give them that first mover advantage that you were uh, implying before, that, you know, obviously the first one to actually uh, seriously commit to, uh, to getting fossil free is going to be uh, the one where, you know, who, who enjoys the, the flight of capital that's, that's obviously waiting. I mean, it's, a, it's an international movement afoot uh, of capital and and it's not it's not slow paced. There's a there's a there's an avalanche of capital which is uh, which is going fossil free. And as we say, the the uh, the first Australian uh, big bank to actually jump on that bandwagon is going to get a huge first mover advantage. I would have thought. Yeah. So what what the big banks are doing to sort of I call greenwash, um, you know, their investment policies and lending policies. They've they've created a I guess an asset class called green bonds. So the idea of the green bonds is that all, all the money that gets invested in these green bonds are only to be used to help finance large-scale renewable energy projects, which sounds great in theory, but when you've got um, that same bank on the other side, in the other room, financing new fossil fuel investments, um, I just find it's greenwashing at its worst. Like the major banks or any institution, they're not supporting funding for large-scale renewables because they've got a, 
a green bond tag, they're financing them and supporting them because they're they're sound investments. They're mm. good long-term income-producing investments. So they don't need a green bond tag as if it's some sort of, you know, subsidy or, you know, they're getting a better sort of analysis of their financial um, viability moving forward. It's mm. just a, a total greenwash. So that's how what the local governments who around Australia who have a, lot, a fair few of them, over 200, have signed up to be to diversify away from the fossil fuel light institutions. But what they're doing is now investing in, instead of term deposits, they're putting it into these green bonds in the major banks, which, as I said, I think it's just total greenwash for their, their public, you know, marketing mechanisms to go out there and say, look, we're, we're helping finance all these wonderful, you know, large-scale renewable projects, aren't we great? Well, yeah. I'm sorry, you're not. So <laughs> it's, it's, a real, it's a real problem, I find, because it, it's masking the reality that they're still um, signing new loans. Like yeah. Yadani, North Queensland, we've got um, new coal seam gas in Northern Territory, there's expansion of the coal mining in the Hunter Valley and, and elsewhere in Australia. This is a disaster. The UN and other organizations who have done the modeling and for the world to stay under 1.5 we not only have to draw down from existing fossil fuel um, energy sources but we certainly can't be adding more into the system so australia and canada and a few of the other you know major democracies and um, economies of the world are are rapidly increasing their fossil fuel um investments and projects mm. and mm. it's happening under our watch and for councils to go all right we're putting all our money into green bonds aren't we great we're doing our thing yeah. i just find is really falling asleep at the wheel on this major issue yeah yeah absolutely it's, it's interesting to hear you as a man who's uh, you know his business is is in renewable energy uh you know making that point you know obviously there's not really any benefit for the uh, for the climate of, uh, of of adding renewables on top of coal we have to remove the fossils for the renewables to be able to to to, to be a substitute for them is there you know that's i think the bottom line isn't it that's right we've got to stick stop digging it up like i think as i said before they they know the time is coming where they we won't be using fossil fuels so what they're doing in the meantime they're trying to dig up and pump out as much as they can, as quick as they can. And this has been supported not only by the big banks in Australia that are some of the most profitable banks in Australia, also the government, states, federal government, subsidising these industries. And it's not just the, the coalition. So we have the Liberal national government supporting Adani federally, and we've got the Queensland Labor government supporting him in Queensland. If, if, if the Queensland Labor government didn't, give those approvals to Adani, that, that new massive have been able to get off the ground. So really, it's, we need to have a, almost a revolution from the ground up to stop our major um, political parties, both state and federal, from continuing to facilitate the growth of the fossil fuel industry in Australia. Absolutely. 
Look, I know uh, you're a busy man and uh, we've got limits on our time, so we should uh, wrap it up. But before we do, I know you've been involved with some other interesting work there in Ballina Shire Council uh, with uh, place naming. What's going on with the uh, the place naming of people? Are people going to be able to find their way around Ballina Shire from now on? Yeah, so another initiative I'm quite passionate about reconciliation and acknowledgement of our proud Aboriginal history and occupation in the Northern Rivers and beyond. And what I would like to see is um, places of um, cultural significance and to be have the name that reflects that culture and the place names that they, they would have been called or um, previously recognised as. For example, in Lennox Head, the Lennox Head Lookout, you know, major attraction, beautiful headland. It's called Pat Morton Lookout. So I did a bit of research and Pat Morton turns out he grew up in Lismore, then moved to Mossman in North Sydney and then joined the Liberal Party and became a councillor and a, a leader of the Liberal Party back in the 50s. And apparently he contributed a couple of thousand dollars to get the coast road built um, along the coast between Ballina and, and Lennox. And therefore, we've, they've named the lookout after this man. No offence to the man, but, you know, our Aboriginal community and our, our key areas, um, I think it would certainly help an understanding in the wider community of the proud culture and um, history of our Aboriginal community in our area and also help reconciliation and empowerment if if the key areas and places um, have the Aboriginal names and stories attached to them rather than um, former politicians or, you know, rich landholders who actually cleared the environment and, and the areas. And I think it's happening elsewhere and I'd like to see it happening in, in Ballina and, and the wider Northern Rivers. Yeah, you'd hope that uh, Pat Morton might uh, be able to gracefully concede the uh, the headland to the uh, the traditional owners of a six, over 60,000 years. Uh, you might see the sense in that. I think he's um, had enough enough value in his $2,000 contribution to the to building a road in the area. Good value for money, and really. <laughs> yeah, and and as I said, no no offense to Pat and his family or ancestors, but um yeah, let's um, let's move forward. Um, so the motion was was supported. So we're going to work with the cultural representatives on Jali, the local Aboriginal Land Council, to sort of get a a list of the the key sites that we want to move first on this area um, initiative, and then look to build on that and and really try and bring the community with us with this change and, and make it a really positive step forward um, moving forward. Fantastic. Well, that's great work, Jeff. Look, I hope that we can have you on the show more often to keep us up to date with what's going over there on the coast. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great, Sean. Always always happy to um, be part of the conversation to help help move social and environmental um, change going forward. That was Independent Ballina Shire Councillor Jeff Johnson. Looking forward to a day when the residents of Ballina Shire can rest secure in the knowledge that their rates are not being invested into the collapsing fossil fuel industry and where they can acknowledge and celebrate the deep, proud history of their beautiful district. We've got uh, with us right now 
on the line, uh, Joe Evans uh, from the Pilliga. And Joe is a tireless campaigner uh, to keep our community's gas field free. She has been working hard. Those of you who've been involved in the gas field free movement here on the Northern Rivers will know Joe um, as a, a, a grassroots activist and, uh, and campaigner par excellence who's pro-water and opposed to anything that can uh, contaminate and destroy our water sources. And uh, Jack, Joe has been working hard out in the Pilliga uh, on the campaign to protect that uh, vitally important uh, forest out there. And so great pleasure to have Joe with us here on Environmentalist Anything. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Oh, hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, thanks. For having me on the show. It's marvellous to have you here. It's great work that you're doing out there and really important that uh, people are kept up to speed with what's happening in the Pilliga. Uh, I've just got a, a little bit that you've written here that I'm going to read off, which is just to, just to set the scene. Uh, the state federal state and federal approval of the 850-plus Narrabri gas project, that's 850 uh, wells, plus uh, Narrabri Gas Project happened uh, second half of 2020 and in late December 2020 the uh, Malayali Gas and Pipeline Accord launched legal proceedings against the approval via the EDO and the directions hearing for that case has been held and a crowdfunder has been lodged. So all the parts are in motion. So what's actually happening out there in the field, in the Pilliga and in the community around Narrabri, Joe? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of activity happening in the next six months. Um, first, I'd, I'd just like to reassure everybody that we've not lost this. Just because they have approval, does not mean this is over. Not by a long shot. Uh, we do need people to stay tuned in and engaged. Absolutely, with the campaign because we're not going to lose. I, you know, I really do believe that we've won, but we just don't know it yet. <laughs> So um, moving forward this year, we've got some events planned. Now, there's lots of different people involved in these events. So they're not, it, none of this is my doing. I'm just bringing it together so that everyone can hear it in one space. Mm -hmm. um, so basically what happened after they, um, after they gave approval, a Gallagher came, came into Narrabri and, you know, flashed flashed a lot of cash around. Should say Gallagher um, is the CEO of Santos, isn't he? Yeah, Kevin, big Uncle Kev, they call him. Uncle um, Kev. He flashed a lot of cash around and said, well, you know, we're going to get going in the second half of 2021 and we're going to drill 10 new appraisal wells. So that is so that the board can see the data from those wells and make a financial investment decision. So that is meant to be starting in the second half of the year. So coming up, um, Malala Gas and Pipeline Accord have got their legal proceedings underway, but that's going to take some time in the courts. And they've got a crowdfunder out there. I'll send you all these links so people can donate to that if they want. Yes, please. Um, We'd love to put that up on the Environmental as Anything Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going at about 40000 at the moment, so any, any donations to that would be excellent. So the first event is the Santos AGM, and that's on the Thursday, the 15th of April. That'll be held down in Adelaide, but it's just an online thing. Now, I'm pretty sure that there is going to be some shareholder action 
at that, and that's another link I'll share. The Australian Centre for Corporate Responsibility have got some climate change um, issues that they are bringing up at that. And I'm also pretty sure that there's going to be some actions around the place, but I'm not 100% sure if those details have been able to confirm. So we'll see what happens there. Yep. Um, then moving on to the end of April, uh, April the 30th to the 2nd of May is the Narrabri show. Um, and Jenny Energy is a new company that set itself up in Narrabri uh, bringing renewables into the mix and they actually have a shop front which is just a few doors from Santos on the main street so they've got very high profile on on the main street in Narrabri. Um, Jenny Energy, you'll get a link to that as well and they're going to be at the Narrabri show. Um, then on May the 22nd, the Wilderness Society is running an ultra marathon um, <laughs> and I just looked it up to see what was involved and what you can do if you're if you're into running you can register and there's only 150 places available in this run and it's a it's a fundraiser basically so right. this has only just been announced so there'll be a link to that and there'll be a lot of cultural activities associated with that yep as well I guess an ultra mar marathon is going to cover a fair bit of territory. There's going to be a few, uh, uh, you know, like lots of uh, lots of cultural zones to pass through. Yeah, I'm not sure where they're going to actually uh, do it yet, mm -hmm. but um, I think there's two. There's a longer one and a shorter one, <laughs> so people can choose what they want to do there. Mm. Over three days, and I, I dare say there'll be a lot going on at the Pillager Pottery. Um, and if you've never been to the Pillager Pottery, that's an absolute must go because it's it's such an amazing place yeah um okay so that's then that's may the 22nd um then on the 25th of june is the 10-year anniversary of the toxic spill that happened at bibblewindy um now we are planning a big day of creative action and music on that day, so we don't have any details of it, but please, I'd really like you to put that into your calendars. So the 25th of June, I think leading up to that, I think that's the first weekend of the New South Wales school holidays. Right, So right. people can note down that day because I really would love to see some Northern Rivers faces out there on that day. Yes. Um, then in September... The Coonabarabran Group Against Gas is going to have a festival of the Pilliga. Oh, wow. Sometime in September. That sounds lovely. Yeah, yeah that will be really beautiful because spring is the best time in the Pilliga. Yeah. Flowers are just amazing. Yeah. So there's quite a few dates there. There is. There's quite a list. You're going to have to give us, uh, send us, send us the, uh, the events, etc., and we'll be able to share them around with uh, people through our socials here. Yeah, they are on my Facebook page right. as well, um, and that's a public post on my Facebook page. So if you just look for Johanna, you'll see, you'll be able to see that post as well. All right. Share them up. Share them up to the Environmentalist Anything page, and we'll we'll promote them around. Okay, I will do that. Fantastic. So I just wanted to talk, do we have a few more minutes? Oh, absolutely. We've got plenty of time. Okay. I just wanted to talk about um, what's involved for Santos in the next 
few months. So the IPC has given them some tasks um, and their conditions around phase one. So in order to begin, Santos have to come up with quite a few of um, requirements, management plans and um, committees that they have to tick boxes. So I'm going to share those up there too because there might be some experts out there who want to have a look at them. The conditions overall for this project are really restrictive. Yeah, right. They're quite... It's going to be difficult for Santos to adhere to some of these conditions. Um, But the way that you, you catch them not adhering to the conditions is that you actually have to go into the forest. Right. See what they're doing. So that's what we need is, is a lot of people out there with the dedication to go and keep an eye on them to make sure they're absolutely compliant. That's it. And the more people that go visiting the forest, the forest knows and loves it and feels special because of it. I'm sure of that. I know that sounds very airy-fairy, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the forest really likes having people in it. Yeah. Well, it traditionally has for thousands of years, hasn't it? Mm, yeah. Um So I do want to talk about as well what's happening out in western New South Wales because probably no one's really heard of what's going on out there, but the government has recently announced or re-announced a PREA out there, which is a a regional interest assessment, and it seems that they want to target the tight gas out there in the Wilcannia Area, yeah. So in 2017, this came up back then, but it seemed that they shelved it at that time. There was a great deal of outrage about it. And now that it's, they've, um, I think there's some sort of deal been done with the feds where the feds have given over um, a couple of billion to the New South Wales government yep. as long as they cough up the 70 petajoules yep. from Santos. So... I, I think this is all to do with that, but if people just keep their ear to the ground for what's happening out in western New South Wales, I think that would be good as well. Very early stages, but there is rumblings that gas will be coming out there. Yes, and as you say, they've, they've, you know, the Santos are doing their assessments there of their 10 more wells to see whether it's financially viable. The the, the finance industry, as we've we heard just before from uh, the previous interview that I did with, uh, with Jeff Johnson, is you know is, is getting the collie wobbles about uh, investing in fossil fuels. Uh, you know, we're all out there keeping an eye on what's going on. It can't be making it any easier for them to push forward with this. And on oh, 10% reduction in uh, in 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 employment in the gas industry since the uh, the gas lit recovery was announced. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a, a big issue for them because that's their, one of their major, you know, positives that they spin is jobs jobs jobs. Yeah. That's... So so they talk they get to talk their way talk talk a good fight. Uh, when it comes to jobs, but in fact, uh, there's there's not much not much in it uh, for anybody except for the the shareholders of these uh, these these multinational corporations, and then of course the people out west who are already suffering for their water crisis, like an absolute crisis of water out west, and they're going to have come out there and tox and tox their water up even more. That's it. And the thing with this stuff out in western New South Wales is, it actually appears that the government has spent a large amount of money doing the work that 
the exploration company would usually do, like seismic and data packaging. So the New really? South Wales government has probably spent millions producing some of these data packages for out there in order to sort of entice these exploration companies in. So it makes you think that maybe the gas isn't really that great out there and there's not enough of it for yeah. a company to want to come and do that work. Yeah. So we're paying, we're paying for that. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we've got on one hand we've got uh, Matt Keane releasing his uh, renewable energy, uh, you know, plan, his strategy for uh, New South Wales to become a renewable energy superpower, and at the same time we've got Porky Barilaro uh, travelling out there in June. By according to your list of, of events, uh, the, the the future of gas statement. Ah, so, uh, the future of gas statement. So the Western stuff will definitely be in that, but people need to look carefully at what Minister Keane is actually doing. Mm. Because the actions are not matching the words. Right. And um, How's I, that? I am quietly watching him and um, I do have some concerns. Well, can you share them? What's, what's the... Well, it's mainly that he seems to be going down this renewable pathway. Mm. Um, but at the same time, he's still got gas in the mix, mm. Mm. which we know that that time of transition is gone it's over it's past we've done it already yeah and that, and, and we know that gas is not a substitute for coal but it's a substitute for renewables that's that's the way that, that it actually works out mm. it's a way of it's not a way of accelerating the the transition out of fossils it's a way of delaying it oh delaying it but we need to not be approving any new gas fields mm. because mm. that's not part of the future no so if if he's, you know, going to carry on down that path, well, I think he's going to get some very strong opposition. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Well, let's hope so. So if, if we can, if we can uh, get people out there to the, in, to, to the Pilliger itself and out west, it's, uh, that's, that's the, the challenge, isn't it? It's so far from, uh, yep. from the highly populated areas that we're all so comfortable in. So, uh, but of course, the Pilliger is actually an exquisitely beautiful and, and unique place to be able to visit. It's a terrific place to be doing some genuine ecotourism. Definitely, there's so much to do out there, and you really should put um, swimming in one of the boil baths on your bucket list. Uh, yeah. That is just the best experience. <laughs> and going out there for that, it's only seven hours to go out there from yeah. the Northern Rivers. Yeah. It's closer to Sydney, yeah. so it's doable. It is. It is. Definitely doable. Mm. When I get my infernal combustion engine machine back on the road after today's misadventure, I'm, uh, it's high on my list of things to do. Oh, that's great. Absolutely. So uh, what else should we, should we be looking out for out there? Is there any other, other big news and, uh, that, that, uh, that we need to know about from the, from the Western gas fields as they would like to have them? Well, there's, um, there's definitely some stuff going on with the coal out there. Coal mining is another big problem that's happening in the Pilliga. So over on the eastern edge of the Pilliga, you've got Whitehaven and the Narrabri underground coal mine, and they are actually in the same seam as what Santos are. So you've got cumulative impact of the Pilliga, um, it has not been addressed by any regulatory hmm. authorities. This, they really don't want to know about cumulative impact from the coal mining in the east. 
because it just adds a whole layer of complexity over what Santos intend to do. So we are trying to raise awareness around that and the landholders that live around the Narrabri underground mine are definitely feeling under pressure from that mine. Um, it's It was due to go to stage three expansion, but they were told to stop work because they'd been caught illegally clearing. So that is another big issue yeah. in this region. Goodness me. And how about the um, the, the Gomorrah people? Uh, how are they coping with this uh, this f- f- further attack on their on their country? Well, I certainly can't speak for Gomorrah, um, but I know that there is deep trauma happening amongst many Gomorrah people because of the position that they have been put in by the mining companies. Hmm. Well, maybe we could have some uh, on the show. Maybe somebody from out there would like to speak to that for themselves rather than us uh, speaking for them. As you say, that would be more respectful. Yeah, definitely. I think we can definitely line that up. Well, that'd be great. Oh, Joe! Look, I'm just so glad uh, to get you on on air to be able to to share this with us because, uh, you know, as you say, people on the Northern Rivers have have demonstrated their commitment and their passion for uh, you know having a gas field free community here. But uh, the the fight's not over, uh, and it's still there to win. It's still there to be won if uh, if people are actually uh, willing and able to uh, gird their loins and and get out there to, into to where it's actually happening uh, around uh, around Narrabri, Brian Pilliger and. Uh, with with Santos, hey? Yep, definitely. It'd be great to see some friendly faces from the Northern Rivers and I'll I'll come back with more information on um, those events. Fantastic. Look, we'll yeah, have to get you back regularly so that we can keep up to date because it's easy to, to lose touch with uh, with what's going on out in, in, the, in the, the Western Districts. More than happy to do that. Thank you, Joe. Fantastic work. We'll talk soon. No worries. Thank you. Have see a great you. day. Bye. See you, everyone. Bye. That was Joe Evans, community campaigner for a gas field free New South Wales, I guess, and she's out there at the based around Narrabri and the Pilliga, or, or at least focusing her attention on Narrabri, the Pilliga, and Western New South Wales for us all, and advocating that we uh, we get out there, join her, go and see the place. It's uh, it's a beautiful place. If you've been out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't been out there yet, it's uh, it's got to be on your bucket list. And why wait? Who knows? You're going to get in soon while it's uh, still fresh. It is there to be won, as she said. Uh, there's plenty going against Santos. They've had their, 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 they've jumped through the hoops that they had to jump through to get their approvals, but that doesn't guarantee that they're actually going to get this, uh, this appalling project uh, up and running and producing gas. <laughs> And, but next, much brighter, always brightening up our week, is Naomi Shine from the Lismore Environment Centre, giving us the news on events and actions that we can take part in to help solve some of those problems that uh, confront our beautiful Mother Earth. Naomi, are you with me? Naomi. Hello. Hi, how are you going? Oh, good. Good, good. Welcome to Environmental as Anything. Thanks for being with us again this week. No worries. So, what's happening this week? 
so much. I might have missed something. I don't know. I've just been scrolling around looking for various events to make sure they're included, at least on our Facebook page. I've got a list of submissions for people to possibly submissions to. That's um, at least three submissions long. And I've got a string of events too. Great. Well, it's always good to get uh, your uh, your hard work brought out into the public arena so that people can share uh, that around. Yeah. Well, uh, Adventure Land Care, a.k.a. Wilson Sugar Land Care, updated their event. So they're not clambering around on the bank. Um, they're going to go to their usual spot at Times Bridge and do some weeding there or hand-pulling weeds from around the young trees. They were going to be slightly more adventurous and... Uh, you know, climb down the bank uh, below the courthouse there, but uh, I think they're just going to take it more easily and do their usual spots in time bridge. Well, given how muddy and slippery those steep banks must be, they probably they may be doing more harm than good by clambering around them in this uh, this current circumstances, eh? Yeah, that's right. So 10 a.m. tomorrow, meet at the Times Bridge spot in North Lismore, um, and that's of the Wilson's River Land Care Group. Lovely. Yeah, good on them, I say. Yeah, they're a fantastic bunch of people doing terrific work for the community. Oh, wonderful. And many, many years standing. There's some really beautiful bush regeneration that they did and is now um, looking like a little forest. So what a beautiful way to contribute to your community as we grow in the riverbank. So Symes Bridge, when, when is it? 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Terrific. Yeah, and also tomorrow, there is so much on. There's um, uh, there's the Save Our Koalas Lismore Day of Action uh, meeting outside, um, basically opposite the, uh, you know, the car boot market, humbly oval, but a bit down the road, so directly opposite the car boot market. And this is uh, relating to D-Day for koalas. Um, I was just reading Garland's... Uh, Thing. So when we're having a rally there from 11am tomorrow. There'll be a little bit of street theatre from 10am with a koala suit and some and some mourners in black in a coffin. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd head down to the market by 10am so you can see some street theatre and then head across the road at 11am for the rally, which you had a hand in organising, Sean. Oh, I've done my little bit. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Darlin's put out a D-Day for koalas statement. It is D-Day in the koala war. This is the day we need to turn around koalas' extinction trajectory and begin their recovery. First, we urgently need to identify where their core habitat is and then we need to protect it. Those koalas, we need to stop their homes being indiscriminately cleared and logged on both private and public lands. The government's latest attack is not just about koalas. They also intend to take away council's rights to include high conservation value vegetation in environmental zones and their rights to prohibit or constrain clearing and logging in them. Politicians aren't listening. listening. We need a community uprising. That's right. It's the koala killer bill by stealth. They're going to just determine to do whatever they can to wipe them, uh, wipe our koalas out. And this is a region-wide thing. So our, our action in Lismore is at 11am tomorrow. The Byron one is at the Peace Pole in Dinging Park at 2pm. Uh, so, you know, if you're really keen, you can uh, travel around a bit tomorrow to see some wild actions across the district. That's right. I mean, the Mwollombar uh, action happened today. Apparently there was, uh, you know, over 150 people turned up or something like 150 people turned up, I heard, from one, one person who was there. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and good old Kate Curry from Byron has posted this one in down in Byron. 
That's fantastic. And, of course, they're going all the way down the coast. It's not just uh, the Lismore and Byron and Mwollombar, but it's uh, it's going on all the way down the coast, weather permitting, of course, but mm-hmm. Nambucca Heads, the Clarence Valley, and, uh, you know, all the way down to Sydney, Armadale. Uh, sorry? Bulga, Bulga Forest. Yeah, Bulga Forest, that's right. There's every little uh, community group concerned about koalas is coming out to play and making uh, making a stand. That's wonderful. Yeah, there's, there's an action in the Clarence as well. They've um, moved their action from the forest because of the weather back down to um, Grafton outside um, the unspeakable man who hates koalas. What's his name again? Chris Galaptus, who has been behind the koala killer uh, faction's push uh, to, to cave in to his developer mates. Uh, you know, as the National Party is the party of uh, de- developers and banks and, uh, and loggers. That's, uh, that's, what they're, that's who they're serving with all of this. Yeah. But Chris Galaptus, yeah, they're going to have it outside his office. It's on a Sunday. He won't be there, but they are highlighting the fact that he has uh, been instrumental in this uh, this appalling policy. Mm. Yeah, well, um, and good on Kate Famine for uh, getting you know getting that network across the state um, and, and really pushing pushing the agenda as the as the former um, president of the inquiry into wild habitat in New South Wales. And she's also, you know, really made it, made it possible for us all to collaborate and, and get this sort of statewide action happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Doing great work down there, Kate. Yeah. So, come along to Outside the Car Boot Market tomorrow and catch our koalas. Uh, our, uh, we want to bury the steps. We don't want to bury koalas. We want to bury the steps. The yes. same laws that are going to stuff up their habitat. Yep. Get this koala killer sep off the books. Start actually taking action to honour their promises to protect the koalas and double their population by 2050. That's yeah. that's what the community actually wants. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's, very, it's fair enough for landholders to want to have freedom to do whatever they want on their land, but in a time of uh, extinction crisis, uh, protecting habitat is something that people are really just going to have to put up with. <laughs> well, I think the people should be given proper compensation for it, really. Like, in if the, if it's costing them, uh, you know, opportunities to do other more destructive things, people should be given recognition for their efforts to protect koalas. It should be an easy matter for people to to uh, to make a decision for koalas rather than being forced into a financial corner to to do things that are against the interests. Yes, land for wildlife, conservation covenants and actual money to rehabilitate land and interconnect wildlife corridors and all that sort of thing. Yep. Yes. Well, Sunday's a very busy day because there's a free online event of how to campaign for kangaroos, which caught my eye. Oh, yeah? Um, I haven't heard of Friends of Mother Earth Incorporated, but uh, they have got this online event. It's a Skype one. Kangaroos are the victims of the largest land-based commercial slaughter of wildlife in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, that was a little bit interesting, campaigning for kangaroos, because they really are considered a pest in the grazing and the cropping districts of Australia. Yeah, terrible, really. Mm. Our national symbol, recognisable yeah. around the world, slaughtered in obscene numbers. Yes, so uh, jump onto the Environmentalist Anything Facebook page for um, events, uh, uh, a comprehensive list of all the events we mentioned. Um, and tomorrow as well, Lismore Skillshare Day. What a great little uh, deep adaptation type event where people are gathering at an address in Lismore for uh, sharing uh, skill sharing um, 
This month the skills are bike repair and maintenance, kombucha and fermentation, wicking garden bed making. So we mentioned it last week, but uh, tomorrow it's on. Wow. Yeah, 2pm for Gardener at Lismore. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, what a great thing. (laughs) You know, if you're really excited, you can head off to Brisbane for the uh, National Autumn Rebellion and join in with all the, uh, you know, the activists who conglomerate in cities to try and uh, disrupt business as usual. Mm. So there'll be a huge rally in King George Square starting about 10 a.m. There'll be disobedience. Oh, actually, no, it looks like it starts at 11 a.m. Uh, so, yeah, you've got a bit more time to head up the coast and pop into the central town square of Brisbane and join in the rally. There'll be lots of colour and things to see and do. Sounds like fun. Extinction Rebellion always puts on a good show. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, does a lot of good for uh, for us all, really, like bringing bringing everybody's attention to the uh, the issues that matter. Yeah, fully climate and the extinction emergency. Yeah, hmm. and then on Tuesday there's a another strike for effective climate action um, in the Lismore Quad. It's family friendly from one thirty to three thirty. Come around and um, uh, you know bring signs, rain or shine, and uh, it's just getting together and to support each other, build resilience, empower ourselves and make a statement to the world that we need effective climate action. So that's a local um, woman has posted that up on Facebook and event. I missed the last one. I'm going to miss this one too because I'll be in Brisbane, but what a lovely thing to do. Yes. Go and sit in the quad for a couple of hours. Yeah. It's about getting together, isn't it, and making sure that we see each other and taking those actions together and, and enjoy each other's company and make make you know make, make the revolution that we all want to be part of the one that we can dance to the one that we can uh, uh, sip cups of cups of tea to. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and talking about interesting online events, there's one called All About Tiger Fauna. Now, why, why this is an environmental event is because tiger fauna are in aquifers and they are only recently discovered little um, zoo beings. So they're like, they're miniature, they're microscopic, but they are animals. And um, they are in the Great Artesian Basin. They uh, have a special type of stygophone in the Pilliga. This online one is by the Arid Lands Environment Centre, and it's about the stygophone in the Northern Territory, a lot of amazing aquifers and purified groundwater basins um, up there too. So, um, you know, if you're at all nerdy, you can get along to that and uh, find out about the fauna. Yeah, sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really exciting because they are, they, you know, so many things that we don't know about within nature. It's, I think that's the the uh, the thing that we 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 take so much for granted that we know so much, but in fact, there's so many things out there that we have right. never seen and yeah. have got no clue about. And that's right. We know so little. Mm. Yes. Yes. Um, I've got time to mention one more. Australia's native bees. There's a wonderful online event on March the 24th at 7pm to 8.30pm. Now, I believe there's about 1,500 varieties of Australian native bees. We have some amazing ones here on the far north coast of New South Wales. We have the little ones that actually produce honey and propolis and, and pollen. And they're tiny little, little fellows with silver heads and pink wings. Or I can't quite remember, but they are mind-blowingly amazing to look at. But, um, you know, there's a little event talking about them for an hour and a half, there's 1,500 ones to talk about, so it should be really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Native bees, eh? Oh, yeah, look, native bees are just beautiful, aren't they? 
And we, we again, small creatures that we could take for granted, but they're, uh, they're so in inherent to our ecologies. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a couple more events, but I probably should move on to the submissions. Yes. Um, so the most upcoming submission is by Wednesday the 24th of March. It's um, submissions to the Tweed Council about the nightcap on Ming Jungle development. Uh, Jimmy Malecki sent through some information about uh, that um, the amount of land clearing that would happen in regards to koala habitat on this um, this, uh, 1500 acres, I think it's 1500 acres. And so, if they've got 392 home blocks, people have to uh, clear up to an acre because of bushfire. Um, they have to clear their whole uh, property. So, it means that 400 acres of land will be cleared, and um, hundreds of thousands of square metres will be cleared for the roads as well. So, that's existing koala habitat that we decimated. And they're talking about um, preserving some of it as a koala corridor, but it's uh, it's minuscule and insufficient. So um, we've got all the details, particularly if you want to look um, for really specific information on it, uh, Northern Rivers Guardian's website and Facebook page. But we've got it on our Facebook page as well, and we'll link to um, how to make a submission to about to the three capsules to saying we need to think about the koalas more than we need to think about housing. Absolutely. That's, that sounds like a revolting idea. All these tree changes coming out to these uh, blocks that they've bought into, uh, which have been cleared of all the trees that they came out to live amongst. Yeah. Fantastic. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Why, why do people feel frustrated with capitalism? I wonder. I wonder. Mm. Mm. Yes. And then... Uh, oh. On the 28th of March, uh, submissions to the uh, about the draft New South Wales water strategy by the DPIE, and they're otherwise known as DOPI, D, uh, <laughs> Department of Primary Industry and Energy and Environment. Yes, yeah, and environment. Uh, so they're uh, seeking submissions on dams and water strategies, and because of this previous submission by the DPIE, um, and we uh, I remember doing a submission not just. To the local no dam submission, but to the, the this, this larger state strategy, New South Wales water strategy. So they've actually been diverted from their dams, dams, and more dams thing. But we need to give them more feedback. And Water Northern Rivers have a draft document ready to help you do that. So um, get into it if you feel you can write a submission, or even if you just um, pop on the DPI website and have a look at what they've got there, and just write something heartfelt as you would say, Sean. Yes. It is. It is a very important thing just to get those uh, submissions in, with uh, whether it be highly technical or deeply heartfelt, uh, poetic, uh, or, a, <laughs> or a scientific. Uh, you know, if it's uh, it's all good. Yes. And uh, one more submission to talk about. Uh, Meg Nielsen's been circulating this one regularly. Um, and now the ECA has a proposed regulatory approach or draft regu regulatory strategy. Okay, so they're they're looking for feedback on how to um, what how to apply the laws and how to defend the environment, which is the EPA's job, Environmental Protection Authority. But uh, hmm, oh, hmm. Mm. certainly, uh, you know, so they're seeking feedback. It's a ten minute survey. It closes on the thirty first of March, twenty twenty one, and um, I'll put the link up on the Facebook at your say dot EPA dot New South Wales dot gov dot au forward slash regulatory hyphen strategy. 
So, you know, it's pretty nerdy as well, but uh, get into it. I never thought I'd be a submissions writer, but um, I've been writing them for years now. Yeah. No, no, it's not nearly as painful as it, it sounds. And and indeed, here's your chance to contribute to the democracy that we all treasure and uh, and, and 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 sometimes feel uh, despair for. And here it is: the uh, the, the the Environmental Protection uh, Authority wanting to have uh, our guidance as to what we want from them. Uh, you know, Matt Keane has said that he wants them to be a tough cop on the beat. I'm sure that we can, uh, you know, give some uh, some steel to that uh, spine if uh, if we all contribute. Uh, enough. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So there's some submissions to get your teeth into, and that EPA one, you know, it would be good to some someone. We want them to protect the environment. Yeah, we want them to win. We want yep. to back them to the hilt. That's what that's what we want. We want the EPA to do their jobs and to, to be really good at their jobs and to have everything they need to do their jobs really well and to, to feel proud and win awards and yes. achieve stuff. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, well, well done. Sounds like fun. Sounds huge, actually, like a huge program. And uh, all of these, of course, are available through the Environmental as Anything Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. People can come down to the Environment Centre in Lismore and get more information, I guess, as well. Yes, that's true. They're, uh, on, they're on our, our Facebook page as well. How's things going down there at the Environment Centre in the last minute or so of the show? Ah, uh, well, we are powering on. We've, um, we've got a, a, a renewed committee. We've got a lot of committed people. We're um, gradually getting more volunteers back on board post-COVID. The shop's looking great. Um, yeah, what a team. What a team of uh, amazing people. And we're getting on board with all kinds of great uh, local environmental campaigns and, uh, you know, uh, still winning at placemaking at the bus station there, the Lismore Transit Centre. Fantastic, yes. Lismore Environment Centre providing uh, transport uh, needs for anybody in Lismore who needs to find find their way to and from somewhere else. Uh, they can uh, they can find information from the friendly volunteers down there at the Environment Centre five days a week. Indeed. It's an extraordinarily uh, welcoming and uh, helpful uh, staff of local community members who put their time in for nothing 
just so that they can help out uh, with the with the transport needs because because uh, everybody needs that and also to give information and support to environment groups uh, looking to improve our local community's environment. That's right. Good on you, Naomi. That's uh, an awesome, awesome work that you're doing there and, uh, you know, much appreciated. Uh, good. More power to us all. <laughs> <laughs> well, we probably should go. We've come to the top of the hour, so thank you for shining some light on that for us again, Naomi. Thank you, Sean. Thanks, Environmentalist Anything. Good on you. That was Naomi Shine from the Lismore Environment Centre bringing us up to speed with the actions and events that are coming up this week that we can all take part in to make the world a better place. It's the, it's the end of the show for another week. Thank you for joining Environmental as Anything. We'll look forward to being with you again next week from Toodle 5. It is uh, important that you be gentle with yourself, be kind to each other, and remember we're all in this together. Now to take us out with his new track called Sleep Australia Sleep. He's an Aussie icon joined by Alice Keith and Simon Nugent. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Paul Kelly. Sleep Australia Sleep The night is on the creek Shut out the noise all around And dream of counting sheep Jumping in fields colored brown Who rock the cradle and cry Who rock the cradle and cry Sleep as straight as sleep As off the cliff the kingdoms leap and trees but there's no need to hurry all sleep now don't worry cause it's only a matter of degrees fog australia fog just like the boiling frog as we go we won't feel a thing Good day, folks. It's KB here. I'd like to tell you about my brand new show called The Live Explosion. It's happening every Saturday night at 10 p.m. I'm going to present to you a live music show. From all over the world, you'll hear bands like Ben Harper, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Bill Kelly, Roy Orbison, Crowded House, Wendy Matthews, John. Are you looking for the courage to face the hard facts about our environmental crises? Do you want honest reporting on the global solutions that are at our fingertips? Would you like to know what simple, effective local actions you can take to make a positive difference to the state of the world today? Tune in to Environmental as Anything on 92.9 River FM every Saturday from 2 to 5 for all the news, interviews and analysis you need to make the future you want. For the future, we're hand in hand.